0: Hello, and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Archers, and this week I'm looking for the best book about New York, because it's New York's birthday. Happy birthday, Happy birthday New York. On July 26th. Happy birthday,
1: New York. That's almost my birthday. Wow. Oh. What is your birthday, Joe? July 24th, but that's pretty and, close. And that's what's pretty your pretty social good. security number? Uh, it starts with a three and ends with a three, and
0: everything Let's in between be is also three. So, and wow. your mother's maiden name? <laughs> <laughs> her, her name is also three. Uh, to <laughs> help really? me are two Oh, Joe's got something. No, I, I, don't. More. I don't.
1: I was just going to say, isn't it cool when you share a birthday with somebody like when you're growing up and there's a mm. the kid in your class that has your birthday and like you feel like this kind of extended family
0: kinship with them. That's how I feel about my relationship with Obama.
1: It, it, do you guys share a birthday or we do? Just, we do.
0: We do share. Okay, a birthday.
2: <laughs> nope. I think it's cooler <laughs> when you share. I think it's cooler when you share a birthday with 19.84 million people which is what you have with the state of New York, Joe. That is good.
0: Very good. And to help me are two high school English teachers with two book recommendations. God, I hope. Otherwise, (laughs) this would be a short episode. If you guys didn't bring anything,
1: yeah. Oh, it, usually you say Ian and Joe, so I was, I was. Ian to and Joe. It. Yeah, there you go. My name is Joe Holshue. Happy New York. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy birthday, Joe. I am thirty-eight years old oh, this dear. year. New York is much, much <laughs> older. Um, and if you are looking for a book about New York, Nick, I brought a book from the heavyweight himself, E.B. White. Here is New York. Oh, I love it. Good. I'm excited to talk about it. Very good. Very um, good, Joe. I think
2: Joe is going to just make this, try and make this a birthday podcast for himself. That's seems, the It Seems I'm like I'm it's more so about <laughs> Joe <laughs> than it is about New York today. I, yeah. I brought the autobiography of Joe's bullshit today. <laughs> and a five and a six and a seven and a eight. Mm-hmm. Nick and Joe and Litheads. Nice. this week. I'm Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a saxophonist of ill repute and I brought a book about New York City in the 1920s. It's fake fiction and a lie. It's called Jazz. <laughs> it's by Earlobe. returning champion Toni Morrison, and it helped her oh. win the Nobel Prize.
1: May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders.
2: Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough, every author <laughs> was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> Who told you that? Fun fact: That is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny because the Nobel Prize is always for a person, right? Yes. It's never for a work, yes. but it's always, is it always inspired by a work kind of?
1: It or- seems like it, when they talk about the Nobel Prize, they really do talk about it as somebody wins it for their body of their work. Body of work. Th- their body of work. Their body of work. So it. that being said,
2: so- that being said, if you have, if you cranked out like a really good, <laughs> like let's, let's say, let's say Joseph Heller, right? Let's say he wrote his first book which is incredible. And then he wrote a bunch of kind of meh books. And he wasn't in any danger of dying. Right. They're not going to give it to him after then one of the knows? meh books. No. They're not going to they're no. gonna, they're going to wait until he writes another banger and like, "Oh, Joseph Heller, body of work, body so of work." So it's like good books times
0: how many good books yes. times how close are you to death? How close you are to death? Yes. <laughs> kind of it's kind of a what have you done for us lately divided uh, situation. by them. how close are you to death? Yeah. Well, welcome, litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, as we call it strongly podcast, where every week a theme is selected or recommended and two books are selected or recommended by you, the Litheads, or us. And of course, we pick a winner just to upset Ian or Joe. And we have some show rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers today, gentlemen. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. And rule number three, uh, only winning matters today. Joe, do you want to take 30 seconds to tell me what your uh, book is about, Here is New York?
1: Here is New York. Nick, this week, a heavyweight returns to the show. It's Mr. Omit Needless Words himself, E.B. White, author of Stuart Little, Charlotte's Web, and one half of the classic writing manual, Elements of Style, is back, and this time, he wrote a little book about New York City. This book is tiny, beautiful, and written by White at what might be the height of his prowess. It started as a magazine assignment, but the New York Times listed it one of the greatest books ever written about the city. Here is New York.
2: 1949.
0: Huh. 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 Hmm. A lot about E.B. White. Not not a lot about the book. I still got to wrap my head around. I said is it's it,
1: tiny. It's beautiful. Named mm-hmm. one of the best books ever written about New York City by the New York Times.
2: <laughs> oh, they seem a little maybe biased, though, right?
1: <laughs> well, or, or like they would be the ones who know. Or yeah, they right? would know. Like,
2: if if the Des Moines Courant Register is like, "Well, this is one of the best books written about New York City," like, Des Moines, what do you know? <laughs> I don't know, but like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Mm, I don't buy it. I think Doesn't pure like corruption. Pur- pure corruption. Ian.
2: Oh yeah. Stop me if you've heard this one before. A man takes a lover. He gets jealous of his lover. Kills her. The man's <laughs> wife finds out about his infidelity and then sets out to get revenge. Not a particularly fresh or new story. But Toni Morrison's 1992 novel, Jazz, much like the music form, Jazz, remixes and variates this familiar storyline through time, space, and history, but mostly through 1920s New York.
1: I do like how we both chose old new york
2: well books. this is the thing yeah, old new york nick kind of sprang this theme on us and so i was like well i'll, I'll look at a modern new york book and guess what they're all 800 pages long
1: <laughs> well
2: new york Ooh. is big is the problem right I, well I, I yeah a, and i think yeah, one page per block <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think um looking at the new york books that i i either you're, you're doing modern novels written about historical new york which are going to be shorter or you're trying to capture New York in, you know, in a in a novel. And it's a book. It's going to be it's going to be super, super sprawling.
0: Joe, let's start with your book. This sounds I like. Let's start with a little.
2: Wait, you brought nonfiction, right? I'm so confused, Joe. Is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? Is it like a travelogue? Like what? What you you just said? You just said a bunch of words. What is I this book? Know. Let's 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 barrage
0: him with questions. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, uh, Joe, how dare you? Joe, how dare you? <laughs>
1: This book is nonfiction. It is also a travelogue. Um, E.B. White. We've talked about mm-hmm. him a little bit in the past. He was a big-time writer. Wrote some very famous books like Charlotte's Web. He was the mm-hmm. kind of co-writer of the Elements of Style. Both of those books sold a quadrillion oh, copies.
0: yeah,
2: we have episodes mm-hmm. on those, right?
1: We have episodes on Charlotte's Web. An early,
2: early episode. I don't think I don't think Joe has brought the Elements of Style, but I kind of wish we should introduce. <laughs> he's, classic he's talked textbooks. about it a lot. I swear you've brought it.
1: Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Damn. Um <laughs> You're wrong, man. um th- This is him kind of a little bit later in his career. He's born in 1899. He's living in New York. He's he's like a New York guy, grows up in New York, goes, goes to Cornell, like born in Mount Vernon. Um, moves to the city, works there as a writer, um, like is one of the founding writers of the New Yorker. And then at a certain point moves away. He moves upstate. He goes away. And this is him coming back to New York 20 years later um, and writing a magazine piece for it. So, nonfiction travelog meant to be published in a magazine initially and um him returning to a city that he loves.
2: It sounds like it's going to check a lot of boxes for um, for both of you. Maybe different boxes, but um Joe, is this like um Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas but with fewer drugs.
0: <laughs> okay, so I
1: how actually, much
2: drugs are in this? I,
1: there's there are zero drugs in this. I did find myself comparing it to Hunter S. Thompson's oh, yeah. um, Fear and Loathing only because of the the parallels for like the assignment. Right. It's like, right. here you have to go and write about this thing. Here you're doing it for a magazine, etc. When E.B. White, um, there, there's a great quote later in his life where they say he was one of these guys, kind of like Cormac McCarthy, where like people would ask him what he thought about things, and he'd be like, "It's in the book. It's in the book. It's all in the book."
0: I have nothing so to say. About we know him. it's in the book. <laughs> yeah. But we also, yeah, we got to
2: hear you and make unforced errors. And he. <laughs> <laughs> You should start a podcast. <laughs> Put your
0: foot in your mouth. That would be a great name for our podcast, Unforced Errors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, late ah. in his life, he was asked about his, what he had to say. And he said, everything I hope to say in books, all I ever hope to say is that I love the world. Which I think is a very nice quote that resonated with me. This book is unmistakably a love letter to New York City. It is him... Revisiting a place that's uh, magical mm. to him, talking about it through, I think at times, rose-colored glasses, but also like kind of confronting some of the things that might be a little ickier about New York City. But like unmistakably, like he rents a hotel in New York. He spends a couple of weeks walking around the city in the dead of summer in the middle of a heat wave. And he writes about
0: what he Ooh, sees, what he remembers,
1: remembers New York. et cetera. Huh.
0: Huh. And did how much did he... How What was the garbage situation... Uh, like back then. Were there just piles of it in the just summer melting in the beautiful miles. heat? If you think about the time that this
1: is New York, it's, it's kind of a wild time. Like this might be New York city at its most romantic. Like this is 1948, New York. Um, it is a absolutely booming. <laughs> Well, he doesn't romance. talk about prostitutes. Romance. You know, or garbage, or anything like that. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's New York City when it's absolutely booming. It's New York City when it's still like the center of the literary mm, world. Mythic. Mythic New York. That's not
0: bad. What did, what did 1950s New York look like, Joe?
2: How is it different than today? I don't think there were any Tesla cars on the, on no the roads. Teslas, Probably no start Teslas. No
1: Teslas. When was the subway built? Oh, he does talk about the train um, and how it's largely an elevated train at this time, which I didn't realize. I didn't know there was
2: ever an L in New York. I don't, I don't know. They, didn't, the have, they didn't have thousands of serial, serial killers yet. That was the 1960s and 70s.
0: It was built in 1904, so it should have been covered in the book, Joe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: i guess it was what? already there let's just move past it
2: joe so I'm, I'm struggling to understand like what like what exactly like what what kind of content chapters? do we get do we get like um I, I i glared at the building i glared at the 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 homunculus building as it glittered in the sunlight and the architecture mm. made me feel butterflies or is it is it like i, I ran into apple. this guy i ran into this guy and he was singing about the glory of spiritualism um like what do we get yep. people do we get um, vistas, do we get how's it yeah. written,
0: Joe? Is it yep, chapters?
2: It's it, it, it's
1: no, it's not chapters, it's oh. one long, like unbroken section, right? Like one mm. long, unbroken, like piece. It blends the micro and the macro, I mm. would say, right? right? So he spends mm. a lot of time talking Economics. about, um, individuals that he runs across he spends a lot of time talking about neighborhoods like very small neighborhoods and things like that but he also zooms out and he really does a lot to talk about like new york city as an idea new york city as something larger and there's this really cool blend in here so he says look new york's interesting for a lot of reasons right he's like if you're thinking about new york city is just like Four Detroits stacked on top of each other. That's not the right way <laughs> That's to think, how I think of about it. <laughs> we, we,
2: any city is a, a number of Detroits. Yeah. He says New York
1: City is mm-hmm. unique, and he says number one, it is the concentrate of arts and commerce and sports and religion and entertainment and finance and all this different stuff. Like it is all that stuff concentrated all in this spot. It is also so big and so textured and so there's so much here that it can absorb. Anything, right? And he g- goes through, and he says, "Like while I'm writing this, there's a lions convention in town, and twenty thousand lions have come from the west—not actual lions. This is it's the fraternal know. group. I thank you, Ian. Let me, let from me cut Detroit? You off. <laughs> from Detroit, from <laughs> um, Detroit, well, from the Midwest." Uh, and he no. says, "And in my time here." I haven't seen a single lion. He says, two of the largest ocean going vessels have made port in New York and have docked. And he says, but the only boat I've seen the entire time here is like a sloop out on the river. He says, um, um, Oh, I had one more good example. Uh, the, third one, fingertips, too. the third one. I know it's the third one. From my hotel room, just six blocks from here, a cornice fell off of a building and killed a man, right? Like a chunk of concrete fell off of a building and killed a man, Oh man! but I didn't hear any of that. And he says, and this is the wild thing about New York. When that happens in a smaller town, even when that happens in a city, it happens to everybody. You know, like if in your town, if something falls off of a building and kills somebody, it happens to you too, right? Like that cornice also hits you. He says in New York. You can be part of this larger thing, but you can also be insulated
0: from this larger thing. It's big enough to absorb. What did you learn about New York that you didn't know before? Or is it not that kind of book?
1: Well, it's, it's not like a travel guide, right? Like, it's not like you should go to New York City and you should do this and, and check out Central Park. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs>
0: right? But it must kind of do that, right? Or does it, is it more about like the idea of like a major you know, city in the is world? This-
2: Okay. Um, We'd like
0: to barrage you with questions. Either yeah, get, and it's, get it's close it's time to for that for the microphone second round if you can find so it.
2: So, is this, you mentioned he's like talking about the specific and then also the general. Is this deductive where he is saying, New York is this, and let me show you how New York works itself out in these individual examples? Or is he saying, look at these individual examples, they allow us to get a better, fuller sense of what New York is?
1: It's more, look at these individual examples, look at the complex intertwining of these original examples, and look at how, in a lot of ways, New York should not work, right? Like, it is so Uh, multi-layered, so complex, uh, so uh, tangled, it should not work. But the magic of New York is that it does. And it doesn't just kind of work, it like
0: super works. Is Is there anything in the book that's like, has either really stayed the same that surprised you or really changed that has not surprised you or surprised you? I guess okay. your surprise really has nothing to do with the question. Is there no, anything no, no, that yeah. uh, has stayed the same or has changed that, that was interesting?
1: So in the, E.B. White wrote a very, very short um, preface to this book, a very, very short forward to this book. At a certain point, they republished this, right? And, and when they republished <laughs> it, they said, hey, Mr. White, would you like to update your writing to reflect New York City as it is today. And he wrote a paragraph at the beginning and he basically said, I could go back and I could update this and I could try to capture New York as it is today, 10 years later, 20 years later. He says, But the reality is, is that New York is so complex and it changes so quickly that anything I write here will be out of date by the time I publish. He he says, anything I write will be totally out of date by the time that this gets published. He says, so has New York city changed from here? Yeah, obviously. Like this book was outdated the moment it, it hit the, it hit the shelves. Right. And he says, but if you want to see how it's changed, go see it. Right? Like you go to New York City, you bring it up to date, you kind of see, you see how it's changed and, and what's different. So the other thing he says, and, and, and to answer your question, Nick, where you say like, what has stayed the same? I think New York, is a, New York City is a big idea, right? Like the most famous city in the world, New York City, right? It lives large in everybody's imagination, right? Like New York City like captures the imagination, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that feels really, really current about this book, and this is not 1948, this isn't 1978, this is 2023, the thing that feels current about this book is I think he really captures the romanticism, he captures the bigness of New York City. Like, this is a love letter to the city, and it's a love letter that you get behind as a reader,
2: right? Like, you get why he loves it.
1: It's, It's so persuasive.
2: Interesting. That's re- it. Sounds like I mean White seems to be the more I, I learn about him, the more I am, I'm impressed with his his art, like how good he was at yeah, good at arting, yeah, this writing, is writing good words. Um, yes, and it's interesting that that he can kind of almost explicitly acknowledge this book is out of date. Like this book is not accurate mm-hmm. uh, anymore um And yet, it still has this sort of. It, it affects you. In it has such like a, a, a truth, n-
1: but it's still true, mm, right? Like yeah. this book may no longer be accurate, I mean but it's it's absolutely
2: it is true. true. Ooh, that's good. Ha! Huh. Oh, a timeless time capsule. So, um, mm-hmm. good, good one. Ooh, nice, nice coining a phrase, Nick. <laughs> and Joe, what is the book called? Here is New York.
0: Great, Ian. Ask a question.
2: This is risking opening a new rabbit hole. Is White from New York? Is he a New yes. Yorkist? Like what? So like he, you say this is a love letter. Why? why where What? Like where does he get off? I guess the question I'm trying to ask is where does he get off? What gives him the right? What gives him the right? <laughs> no, yeah. Can you, I? Yeah.
0: Can I barrage you with another kind of Strict in that question. It. Yes. It. Great. And that comes. That question comes in the form of a one star review. Yes. From Connor. I love E. B. White. Even especially his nonfiction essays. But this book is a throwaway. Just a magazine filler that was mistakenly what? bound as the shortest yet boringest what? book ever. Whoa. So where <laughs> does like he someone, get off, Joe? Sounds I guess like someone got question. assigned
2: this book as a book report. <laughs> yeah. So
1: two, two different questions that are some version of where does he get off. Um, the very first question to answer Ian's version of where does he get off, the answer is is he is a native of New York State a transplant to New York city, like an immigrant mm-hmm. to New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the, I, th- I think he made his career. He made his reputation as a resident of New York, um, moved to New York city where he talks about, uh, you know, you know, was one of the early staff writers for the New Yorker lived there throughout his twenties and his thirties. And then eventually like all good New Yorkers, you know, married a girl, had a family moved upstate, right? Um, that was it. Nick, as for Connor's one star review, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's wrong. I don't think this is boring. In fact, this book is it's short. It's super tiny. In fact, um, it was published as a book, but it's one of these things like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that also fits in a magazine. right? The kind of book you can also publish in a magazine.
0: Uh, Joe, I don't think you've said this. But I'm seeing that this is only 56 pages. Yeah, it's, it's teeny tiny. Oh, that's a right? good like, sell. That's a it's, good sell. Uh, it's, yeah, you should have really put that in the upfront. Um, it, I mean, if you want to win today. Do you not want to win? Because it's, no, no, w- I it's not the only thing like that it matters. Like he doesn't. You, it's, uh, it does seem like he doesn't, considering he hasn't won in like the last eight weeks. No, he did, he <laughs> he did win last week. He won last week. He <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't know. even have a quote. I don't know if it <laughs> counts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it, oh, man. Give me a
2: well, Joe frantically searches uh, yeah, thank you. for a quote. <laughs> Something interesting to say. Um, Nick, can you, can you tell us about your time going to New York City most recently? When did you, what was that? Because Joe talked and then you didn't talk about it. It's been mm-hmm. a while. The last time I went to New York, um, I think I was by
0: myself for work. And what I did was I was there for like two or three nights. And I decided to myself that every single meal was going to be ramen. And so Mm. I went to like six or seven ramen shops uh, over the course of three days. Very good. um, Boy, not great for your gut biomes. But Mm. um, besides that, a really delicious trip to New York. Yeah.
2: Good. Good. I like that. That's a I think a lot of folks would say, I'll try all the different options. But you're like, we're going to we're going to do a top to bottom.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to knock this one out and then write a 56-page book about it.
2: You never need to eat ramen again. <laughs> <Ever> probably, again. <laughs> No. You're probably <laughs> so done.
1: Joe, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, there's only one thing. Um, there was a review of this by John Updike. I, I have no idea when this was written, but John Updike says, just to dip into this miraculous essay, to experience the wonderful lightness and momentum of its prose, its supremely casual air and surprisingly tight-knit, is to find oneself going ahead and rereading it all. White's homage feels as fresh as fifty years ago. And John Updike said it. I love that review because, well, first of all, I think it captures so much of what's so hard to talk about on this show. Like it is so tightly written. The sentences mm-hmm. have such mm-hmm. momentum. It, mm-hmm. it like just pulls you through it. You can read it in a sitting. A because it's only fifty six pages long. Fit, but B yeah. because like Page it's two. a fifty six pages you are happy to sit with. Um, I finished reading this last night. I, I, I enjoyed it a ton. This morning, as I was having my coffee, I read, like, half of it again. Re- nice. Like, it was so enjoyable. Such a nice. great spot to hang out in. Like, I sat down, drank coffee, and read, like, 25 pages of this. I really dug this book. It captures, like, the romantic New York. It captures the idea of New York. It's kind of a beautiful little time capsule of 1948 New York written by, a like, an absolute literary heavyweight, which is very cool.
0: <laughs> That's not what Connor has to say.
2: <laughs> How much do you guys know about jazz? Like the um, music form? I know like
0: to- that I don't know anybody who likes it. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is the... <laughs> okay. But I also don't I- live in New York. Oh, so That's what I was like- about. It's like I am like I feel like live growing up in Wisconsin. You, there's like a juxtaposition. Like there's certain things you were just culturally will never. You're never forbidden. meant to like culturally forbidden. Jazz might got a great beat you can list. dance to. It jazz. Uh. <laughs> that's right. It's it's very not German.
2: That's no. That's that's absolutely that's very not German.
1: Yeah. German. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Joe? I have a more open minded oh, view of jazz. Not surprising. Um, I. I used to listen at night. I had this clock radio when I was a kid on the farm. I had this clock radio. And like when I was going to sleep at night, I used to tune into the local like jazz station.
2: Oh man. And
1: and I found it so hard to sleep to, but I really had it in my head that that it would um that it would put me to sleep. Um it's also a thing every once in a while where I I read something about jazz or I watch a YouTube video about how interesting and cool jazz is, and I get really excited about it. Like I get jazzed about it and i'm like i should be a jazz guy i should like look in and i should like like i'm gonna go to a jazz bar i'm gonna gonna go to a jazz bar i'm gonna put on a kind of blue and i'm just gonna like sit in it and then i put on it put it on and i listen to it for like three minutes and i think this is interminable Like i can't (laughs) do this like it is not relaxing it makes me feel like antsy when i listen to Mm. it it's
0: Mm -hmm. it's i think jazz is mostly stressful i agree can i add this too yeah, please. <laughs> this guy. This is your Tiffany's butt for jazz. <laughs> as as a drummer, yeah, right. I think jazz is significantly more uh, enjoyable when you are playing it.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's kind that of a sense. sense to that's it. kind of or 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 maybe when you are are a creative, like primarily a creative.
0: No, I mean, the act of playing it is like, I get the draw to it is this free form expression. It's just this, you know, conscious stream of music coming out of you. And, and to play it is something magical. And you see the quotes about jazz players talking about how great jazz is. You don't (laughs) see a lot of quotes from audiences saying about how great (laughs) jazz is. I just think there's a difference between like the creator of it and the the audience. I think it, there's a disconnect.
1: Sometimes you'll hear somebody called, like, oh, he's a writer's writer. He's a comedian's comedian. He's a <laughs> musician's jazz musician. Is. Jazz is like, <laughs> oh, do you know who jazz is for? It's for people who
2: like jazz. It's for people who play jazz. It's a right. musician's music. I think what you guys are articulating is um, a sense of modern jazz um, because that's kind of what we have. Like, we have access to who's that guy? Ken, Kenneth G. Kenny G. We have, G. We have like the, the smooth great. jazz. We have the commercial yeah. jazz. Um, does your book cover Kenny G? My book does not touch, unfortunately, on Kenny G or his minus two saxophone. Yeah. Baronet. Yeah. What is his thing? He plays the anyway, saxophone
0: and you he know plays he saxophone. plays the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I, this is good. Um, I, I'm hearing you guys articulate a couple of important things about jazz. One, it, it is improvisational. Two, that it is um, kind of like controversial, kind of, kind of divisive. This story this is a really hard book to talk about. This story is kind of like jazz in that. Ooh. yeah. yeah, this is this is my concern. Uh, the 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 jazz jazz introduces a core theme, right? Jazz takes uh, a theme and, and like some of the most the most well-known jazz pieces um, have this motif and then they play with it. They sort of like unpack it. They 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 they, they fracture it. They put it back together um Ian, they they expand I'm, upon it. They variate, Yeah. I'm going to need to add a fourth
0: rule to this episode. Mm-hmm. When you're referring to the book jazz, I'm going to need you to say the
2: book jazz. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm still talking about the and music not here. Just Okay. We're still talking about the music. Yeah. Got so it. I'm talking in generalities about, about jazz as a form in, in um, jazz, okay. jazz as a musical form is about play. It's about taking a thing that you may or may not have heard before, like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Love it. And then making making 15 minutes of variations on it. Ooh, Um. do not love it.
0: (laughs) 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 uh, uh, Can I tell you that we'll get to the book uh, eventually. Eventually um, at some point. Or maybe not.
2: Maybe even not. I saw
0: The Police um, on the reunion tour like 10 years ago when they did that. And I'm like, sweet. I like The Police. Their first couple albums are great. And they're like just a tight rock and roll band with like Mm. two and a half minute songs that just kill it. They turn Every two and a half minute song into at least ten minutes, at uh, least ten minutes. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Self-indulgent. It's, like, let's just, it's self-indulgent, unbelievable, it's a little unbearable. Self- but I think a
1: lack of awareness to as to what the audience is there for. But
2: again, really fun for them, mm-hmm. right? And I think I think good good jazz is not self-indulgent. Good as a mus- as as a musical form. Good jazz. The good jazz I've heard. The good jazz I've seen live. Is not like, hey, I'm going to just gonna dink around up here for 20 minutes playing with this with this motif. Good jazz music is. We're gonna do. Um, we're gonna do the thing we came here to do. Welcome um, to three
0: guys talking about jazz. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me, yeah. is bad. Bad. Joe. Uh, Ian, um,
2: please tell us about your book yeah, quickly. So, so in this book, in this book, we have familiar themes: infidelity, violence, ruptured families, the way that love kind of pulls on you, the way that culture and your surrounding like for instance new york city can force you or shape you and shape your decision making but what morrison is doing here in this story in this book is playing with these in different keys with varying rhythm sometimes they're repetitive sometimes they're almost unrecognizable but she's taking familiar um, storylines and she's kind of weaving them together into something like Literary jazz. And I understand how snooty this sounds and how kind of credible. Yeah. inaccessible This sounds. This is the best way I can describe it. Um, the story begins with uh, our, our aforementioned. Um, his name is Joe. Uh, no, I uh, know. No, no relationship. Sure. Good yeah. job. And Thank Joe you. has a, a, a girlfriend named Dorcas and he shoots her. <laughs> <and, laughs> Dorcas. And Joe's wife. It's not a great name. Joe's wife finds out and she goes to the funeral and she's like, I'm going to cut this girl's face up wow. in the coffin. That sounds great.
1: Um, I mean, really, like as a premise, I know it's a oh, classic yeah. storyline, but it's classic for a reason.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like love um, for revenge. You get this, yeah, love and all. revenge. You get this in the first page, in. and and the story then kind of goes like we we learn backstory, we learn um, w- like why Joe feels he needs to be unfaithful, and the the reason that Violet, the the wife, kind of has this violent outburst, and We go back into their history They're They're all these characters are all black. They're all living in Harlem in the 1920s. And we get like their history just after slavery ends. So like Reconstruction in the South and the end of Reconstruction, the introduction of Jim Crow and violence and sharecropping. Like there's this whole long stretch. and, And the point that she's making is that in our lives, Trauma and bad decisions and love and beauty kind of crop up again, like themes in a piece of jazz, and you can't really escape them. And uh, eventually, she says, "You might escape them. You might come to a place. I'm trying not to avoid spoilers here. You might come to a place where you're faced with a choice, and the the the, the tune doesn't resolve as you." expect
0: that's my problem with jazz and i it's it's like the antithesis to pop music right where it's like here's the hook and we're gonna repeat it for three minutes right Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and like jazz is like i know you want to hear the hook i'm gonna take 15 minutes to get there right (laughs) yes good and i think this is something it like kind of it it fucks with you, right? On purpose, well, and a little I, think, bit. I think it's like the tension rising. Well, it's, it's, it,
1: maybe it's like tantalizing. Like maybe that's it. It's like it's just out of reach, just out of reach, right. just out right. of reach. And eventually you're going to get that payoff.
2: So let me let me read. Let me read a, a line. Uh, this is very, very early, um, very early in the book. This is on page six. Um, this is the tantalizing. It promised to be a mighty bleak household, what with the birds gone and the two of them, Joe and Violet, wiping their cheeks all day. But when spring came to the city, Violet saw coming into the building with a record under her arm and carrying some stew meat wrapped in butcher paper. Another girl who looked like Dorcas, Joe's old friend. Violet invited her in to examine the record, and that's how that scandalizing threesome on Lennox Avenue began. What turned out different was who shot whom. So the, the the story begins with Joe shoots his girlfriend, and then on page six we're like, okay, guys, here's a teaser: somebody else is going to get shot, and then we have to wait till the end of the book to tease this out. But I was when I was looking at one star reviews, and there are a lot of one star reviews for this. I
0: have one for you, and then I have two questions. Um, a one star review from Luke: I finally found a Morrison book I don't like. <laughs> I think
2: I may have read this one. <laughs> yes. Okay.
0: The book is it's meant to mimic one. jazz music. Uh, is meant to be unpredictable. Yeah, the book is meant to mimic jazz music. Is meant to be unpredictable, unpredictable, and almost improvisational. Uh, that may work in music, but I don't think it works well in a novel. And if Morrison can't make it work, then no one can. <laughs> for the <laughs> ambitious and effort, uh, for the ambition and effort, I'm glad I read this. But Morrison playing with the form made the la- uh, the novel lack cohesion. The desperate parts, some beautiful, some not add up to not much more than the first paragraph or the blurb on the back cover. So here's my question. How does she do this in the book where you're like, like how are so many people making this comparison? Or right, is it right, just the name of the right. book that people are making the
2: comparison? Well, because it's he, jazz? like, how, <laughs> how is she
0: accomplishing jazz there's in a first, book?
2: First of all, there's jazz. There's like uh, jazz recurs. There are two, two kind of recurring motifs beside the themes I've talked about. Jazz and New York City, and we'll talk about the city in a second. But like that was my um, second question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I promise you, I have a whole blurb about the city. (laughs) Um, So people are listening to jazz. Jazz is being played at important moments. So I think that plus the title plus the form all kind of works together to say, okay, this is what's happening. She does this. She does this with using um, like wildly different uh, timelines. And points of view. So we're going to be getting like a first person point of view from, say, Joe. And then we're going to switch to Dorcas. And then we're going to switch back to Violet's grandmother. And it just jumps. And And I imagine like I imagine them like different instruments kind of right, taking over yeah. and running with the story. We have time kind of time skips. We have parts that are really fast paced and parts are parts that are kind of more slow and, and rhythmic. Okay. I listened to a lot of jazz and I was doing my. My uh, writing my dissertation because that was the only thing that I could kind of like that would kind of turn my. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have lyrics, right? It was kind of mindless music, and I would just kind of vibe with it. And this something intangible, something almost inexpressible about this book says jazz. The other thing I want to say quick before I get to New York is that jazz asks you to buy in. Jazz says, hey, this concert is two hours. I want you to be here for the full two hours. Or this song is 15 minutes. I want you to be here for the full 15 minutes. I was still lost until probably about 90% of the way through this book. Wow. She started kind of pulling the threads together and I could see it kind of like weaving towards what it was going to be. And it became something that I was like, oh yeah, this is clicking. (laughs) This (laughs) is working. But this is the thing. (laughs) Reading these one star reviews, a lot of people are like, uh, hey, I got in. And I didn't finish, or yeah, um, I bailed. Yeah, right. Like, uh, yeah. or or, or I, I I didn't enjoy the process. And I think the thing mm-hmm. about jazz, and I think about think about what Morrison's doing here. Morrison's saying, "Hey, this is not a long book. This is 230 pages." She right. says, "Hey, stick with me to the end, and and then pass judgment." And I think it's hard to pass judgment before the end because. Yeah, you have to choose to listen to jazz. You can't be yeah. like,
0: oh, some jazz is on. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Okay. <laughs> the, kind of sit down. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Joel. The other
1: thing that strikes me about jazz is when I think of my positive jazz experiences in my life, <laughs> it's it's generally <laughs> been live jazz, right? Sure. Like it's yeah. generally been when you are in yeah, the room it's gotta with gotta it. Be when live. You're, it's got to be live. And I think it's because there is a... <clears throat> Maybe there's like a participatory element to jazz. Like when so. you were in the yep. room listening to it, you were kind of part of that experience, which is why I think that me listening to the jazz station on public radio when I was a kid, like, might have been an unsatisfying yeah. experience yeah. because, like, also, you're as not. A kid, yeah, no way. It,
0: there's you're, just no
1: way. But you're not bought in in the same way. Right. I, I. I can see why something like this puts you in conversation for a Nobel Prize, right? This feels like literature, capital L, like I am screwing with the form. I am screwing with your expectations. Mm -hmm. I am screwing Mm -hmm. with the function. Um, It kind of reminds me. It reminds me of two things. The first thing it reminds me of is the book I read earlier this year, uh, Trust. Trust by yep. Hernan yep. Diaz, yep. Um, where he, he just pl- it's, he tells a story, yep. four different ways, playing with the structure of that story every time. Really interesting literary stuff. The other thing it reminds me of is there's a chapter in Ulysses, in James Joyce's Ulysses, where the entire chapter is meant to be a, a musical. The entire chapter is meant to be musical. And the first ch- uh, paragraph, of that chapter is nonsense, like is absolute hot, nonsense. It's like steely. The it's the sirens. Yeah, love it. Right. And the first paragraph of that is all these snippets that will show up later mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. chapter mm-hmm. jammed into the same thing, jammed into the same paragraph, almost like a pit orchestra warming up before a show. And when you read that, it's, it's nonsensical. When you read that, like nobody can keep uh, pace with it. But when you continue to read the chapter and those motifs pop up again yep. and again, like those things, you're like, oh, dang, something's happening here. Like, yeah. like I, it's paying off in a way that literature, that books generally don't pay off.
2: It's an incredibly, the incredible power of recognition. Like, I know this and that feels good. Um, that's a that's a really interesting comparison. Um, Joyce is writing around the same time that this novel is set. Um, I'd be interested in, in kind of un, unpacking that further if I had the patience to read <laughs> to read James Joyce. <laughs> one of Morrison's strokes of genius and one of the things I love about this book, and this doesn't really crop up until the end. One of those things that kind of starts to pull it together is that she introduces a shadowy figure never quite comes into focus. Who is the storyteller? the eye in this book. And this is not Morrison. This is somebody telling the story of Joe and Violet. Um, and this person, as they weave the jazz of this story together, they lose control. They think that the story is going to go one way. And it turns out, pointing spoilers, it turns out that things go a somewhat different way from what the storyteller expects. And the storyteller keeps like, Trying to exert control over this story, and they keep it keeps slipping away from them because the story is too powerful and the improvisation is too kind of expansive. And that that was the thing that, like, when I got to the end, I was like, Yes, that is worth it. I don't understand it. Like, that's the other thing about jazz. I don't comprehend jazz. You're not supposed to get it. (laughs) Right. You vibe with it. You don't, you know, it's like, oh yes, I like that specific. Unless you're like music critic, you vibe with it. It's the vibes. Right. And um, this is one of those things like I got done. I'm like, I kind of get a sense of what she's doing. I love it. I I couldn't say I can explain it clearly to, um, to chuckleheads on a podcast who hate jazz, but <laughs> I, I think it's amazing. Right. The other thing I want to say is, is the New York city connection because I haven't run really time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Hey, can you talk about New York city real quick? Just because New so, York
0: city uh, week. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Happy birthday to Joe Holshue. Oh,
1: thank you. And, uh, New York city
2: on the no. side. Um, this is not like the city is a character and um, we're not going to go there, but but the city is a force. This the story is fascinated by kind of why people act the way they do. And she keeps coming back to part of the reason people like act the way they do is the city. Um, she keeps pulling away from her story. She's like, this is what the city is like in springtime. This is like what the city is like at midnight. This is what the city is like during a parade. This is what the city is like during a riot. Like. This always leads back to and here's how this city kind of affected people. Um, the story has a happy ending. It's not specific. It's it's waxing poetic. She's absolutely saying, like, here are some guys I saw on a doorstep in Harlem playing, um, uh, playing kind of street jazz. And this is not Morrison because Morrison was alive in the 20s. But she, this is like this is the vibe. She's like, here's this specific element. We're going to go from there to the ways that jazz kind of sweeps across the nightclubs and makes people dance and the way it makes them feel the way it makes those nightclubs feel prohibition is involved and race is like super complex at this point. And you kind of get this, this holistic sense of the city. A lot of times we we think of New York city as shaped by the people in it, right? All the different variety of people and industries and forces and currents shape what New York city is. She is saying this is a city that kind of shapes back. It is shaped by its people, but people cannot escape being shaped by something, something bigger than just, you know, the five boroughs. This is something bigger than just um, pizza. Yeah, this is this is this is something something esoteric, something intangible. It kind of goes to what Joe was saying. There is a truth, capital T truth about New York City, and that affects people in ways that They can't articulate, and even a master storyteller, Nobel Prize winner, can't.
0: Gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's, a safe place for you to tell me all the terrible things about your book without it being held against you. Joe, say something terrible about your book. Yeah. Only 56 pages, huh? Only mm. 56 pages. That's actually a very good thing about That's this a good book.
1: Thing. <laughs> um, I, you know, I do think that my initial Tiffany's was a bit of a cop out where it was like, oh, I wish this book was longer, but I actually don't wish it was longer. I, I, I think Just it's like this perfect thing, little Joe. gem. Do you have any bad things? Yeah, I have one quick little bad thing. I think a small cloud hangs over this book. Oh, um, no. E.B. White wrote this at the behest of his adopted son who was a magazine editor at the time. And okay. um, they had this magazine. The whole promise of the magazine was we're going to get literary heroes who like go and travel and write travel logs. Right. Cool. Hey, yeah. Amy White, my stepfather, can you please do this for me? And there's this tone when you read around the book that he didn't really super want to do it. Right. What? Like he, he, he like did it without this for, is like for no payment. He did it like to help out his adopted son. Sure. Um, oh, sounds and, like a good guy. What's the problem? Yeah, it, it's even when you read like fluff that prologue that where it's like tourism board. Where he's like, do you want to revisit this? And he's sponsored like no, ad. I'm good. <laughs> this is a sponsored. This use... is spawn content. Oh. Ian. Yeah. So Ian? I think he wrote this under, under obligation. I'm super happy that he did, though. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. little gem. Mm-hmm.
2: Ian. If you're not patient, you're gonna hate <laughs> this book. Like you've <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be in it for the whole thing. And if you say, hey, I can't handle this whole thing you're going to hate it. So it requires oh, something of you. And like, if you're not up for that, as many one star reviews have said, it's not going to click.
0: This is tough because it's really hard to not hold Tiffany's against you guys. Um, <laughs> the premise of <laughs> Tiffany's is flawed. It's, it's uh, tough. You know, we don't talk enough about how much, how much weight is on my shoulders. Enough. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this is, this
2: is a, a high and holy calling. All five
0: burrows on these shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. Joe, you lose. The premise, oh. Ian, your premise has captured my attention. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I do like the idea of like you have to finish the book. It's just like what it's you have to finish most books for them to be good. But like I do <laughs> like I like the I I think it's a it's a, a very intriguing mm-hmm. premise. Mm-hmm. I would just be curious to understand how it reads, because you talk about it and it's kind of like really impossible to yes. articulate, I'm
2: sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean, describe so you it to a quote. Um, you know,
1: like, it's, I it's will, impossible.
2: I will read a quote after Joe tells the heads what to do. Joe, Fantastic. demand the litheads. Demand All something right. of the litheads.
1: Lit um, these are our demands. We Yellow demand that you Yeah, litheads. We demand that you go to a podcast player of your choice and leave a five-star review. We demand that you head Ooh. over to you don't know suggest a book, suggest a theme, request a sticky. And we demand that you track down a bookish friend, grab them by the ears, throw in your AirPods, and say, listen to this. Litheads, those are our demands. You have twenty-four hours. Congratulations, Ian! <laughs> Congratulations, Nick! Congratulations, Tony Morrison. seen two-time, two-time winner. Two-time uh, winner. Eb White, zero-time winner on oh, this show. Oh, I've brought e. him twice. He has lost bud. twice.
2: Hey, just uh, bring bring um drunk str- uh, and white. Bring, bring and white. elements of style next time. Yeah, All right. right, I'm going to read the first, the very first city interlude. Okay, here we go. Every time she says the word "city," it's capitalized. I'm crazy about this city. Daylight slants like a razor cutting the buildings in half. In the top half I see looking faces and it's not easy to tell which are people, which the work of stonemasons. Below is shadow where any blasé thing takes place, clarinets and lovemaking, fists and the voices of sorrowful women. A city like this one makes me dream tall and feel in on things. Ep. It's the bright steel rocking above the shade below that does it. When I look over stream strips of green grass lining the river, at church steeples and into the cream and copper halls of apartment buildings, I'm strong, alone, yes, but top-notch and indestructible, like the city in 1926 when all the wars are over and there will never be another one. The people down there in the shadow are happy about that, at last, at last, everything's ahead, smart ones say so, and people listening to them and reading what they write down agree, here comes the new, look out, there goes the sad stuff, the bad stuff, the things nobody could help stuff the way everybody was then and there. Forget that. History is over, you all, and it's everything's ahead at last. In halls and offices, people are sitting around, thinking future thoughts about projects and bridges and fast-clicking trains underneath. The A&P hires a colored clerk. Big legged women with pink kitty tongues roll money into green tubes for later on. Then they laugh and put their arms around each other. Regular people corner thieves and alleys for quick retribution. And if he is stupid and has robbed wrong, thieves corner him too. Hoodlums hand out goodies, do their best to stay interesting, and since they are being watched for excitement they pay attention to their clothes and and the carving out of insults. Nobody wants to be an emergency at Harlem Hospital, but if the negro surgeon is visiting, pride cuts down the pain. And although the hair of the first class of colored nurses was declared unseemly for the official Bellevue nurses cap, there are thirty-five of them now, all dedicated and superb in their profession. Nobody says it's pretty here. Nobody says it's easy either. What it is, is decisive. And if you can pay attention to the street plans, all laid out, the city can't hurt you.